0: Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT wellness podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Corey here, welcoming you to another week of our LGBT wellness roundup. As always, if any of the stories that we're about to discuss are of interest to you, you can head on over to blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you will find a written version of the roundup with links to all of today's stories. So let's jump right in with the first piece of the week, first of its kind study on gay men and eating disorders. Researchers led by Jason Nagata found that among cisgender gay men, about 1 in 5, or 21.4% to be exact, reported concern about their physical shape. Um, About 1 in 10, or 10.5%, reported concern specifically about their weight. In addition, about 20% um, had reported dietary restraint within the past four weeks, and about 10% reported excessive exercise during that time. This is a really interesting study and really a landmark study because um, almost all of the research that's focused around um, eating disorders has focused on women, um, which makes sense since generally speaking, um, you know, when we look at binary um, gender, women are, are more likely to experience an eating disorder than men. Um, but... Th- We've definitely had reason to believe, based on very limited information that we have, that uh, you know, gay um, cisgender men also have different issues um, with eating and body image, um, and there just hasn't been much research um, up until this time about that. So this was one study that was facilitated by the Pride Study, um, which is a big national effort to um, increase data on LGBT folks so that we can better understand their health. Um, and this is one of the studies that's come out of that. So it's really interesting to see. Um, this information, um, and definitely, you know, reaffirms what what we suspect that, you know, this is a big problem among this population. Next up, MP Fellowship focuses on LGBT health. Nurse.com reported on a new nurse practitioner fellowship set to launch at Callum Lord Community Health Center in New York later this year. The fellowship will help prepare healthcare professionals to serve the 11 million plus LGBT folks who are currently living in the US and who often find healthcare services really lacking in terms of their cultural competency. It's going to cover a wide variety of topics, um, including HIV, which of course is one of the, the main things that people associate as a health issue among the population, but also looking at a wide variety of other topics from cardiology to reproductive health. I think this is really great to see because um, I don't know about you, but personally, I don't think I've I've seen an MD in years at my healthcare provider. I'm constantly um, seeing nurse practitioners, and um I, I think that focusing on that population, as that's a growing um part of the healthcare market, makes a lot of sense for trying to reduce some of the disparities and improve the care that LGBT folks are receiving. In our next story, tweet opens mental health dialogue. LGBTQ Nation reported on a tweet regarding LGBT mental health that went viral around the start of the new year and that they say is inspiring queer people worldwide. The tweet says that while LGBT people have to hide their true selves as youth, this presents a quote, gift in disguise, unquote, as one goes through a journey of self-discovery later on in life. The article notes that there are a lot of challenges that remain on mental health access, especially for low-income LGBT folks and LGBT people of color, and that that's, you know, kind of the the downside here, um, that people don't have the support that they need for this, you know, journey of self-discovery. But nice to see kind of a little bit of a positive spin um, and, you know, some of that resiliency of the community shining through um, in a tweet that a lot of people found to resonate with them. Next up, cigarette packaging has power to attract. A new study led by Joseph Lee found that changing the design of a cigarette pack to include subtle or even explicit targeting of LGBT folks had the intended effect, not surprisingly, and made LGBT folks more interested in the product, regardless of you know, health and safety concerns that may be involved with that product. Um, So they basically tried, you know, swapping out a, a regular pack with a pack that was kind of subtly targeting LGBT folks to one that was actually called a Pride Edition and, you know, full rainbow colors on the front of it. Um, The results suggest that we really need to prevent um, the targeting of LGBT folks through these kind of marketing ploys. We already have a huge disparity in tobacco use among the LGBT population, and that's largely due to um, all of the targeting that's happened over the decades. Um, And so this is, you know, more proof that um, it really matters how these products are regulated and that even subtle messages um, are kind of kept out of, of the marketing of these products. And our next story, Center to Fight Opioid Addiction. Your Central Valley reported that the Source LGBT Center in California received a $50,000 grant to fight opioid addiction among LGBT people of color. This population, they note, has faced higher penalization for using drugs such as opioids and also has faced a lot of trauma in trying to access the healthcare system. That makes LGBTQ centers and other community organizations you know, have a really prominent and important role to play in education and care, because that's somewhere that people may find safer and more comfortable to go than a more traditional healthcare center. Um, This is another great example of of some of the cool and cutting-edge work that LGBT centers are um, involved in. And if you'd like to learn more about what centers are in your area and what they're up to, um, I'd encourage you to visit lgbtcenters.org, where they have an interactive directory so you can check out um, what organizations are located in your state or city. And in our final story of the week, New York offers in-home HIV testing. Gay City News reported on a New York program that provides in-home HIV test kits to people who are connected to a participating community-based organization or who apply for a kit online. The program has reached a racially diverse group that includes 35% Latinx individuals, 17% Black individuals. On the other side, it has mostly been used so far by cisgender men. Um, only up to five percent of each participants um, have been transgender or non-binary, so that's definitely an area of growth for the program. But this is a really interesting way of helping people to, um, you know, get testing in a private environment where they don't have to worry about, um, you know, stigma of going to a center, um, you know, an HIV health center, for example, or or someplace that's associated with HIV testing. Um, they don't have to interact with people who they may find to be judgmental, um, and they don't have to leave their home if mobility. Is an issue, you know, transportation, um, getting around the city. Uh, it's a really cool option. And I think this is, um, you know, obviously new, the New York City um, health program, health department is huge. Um, it serves millions and millions of people. So if they're able to roll this out successfully there, it could be a great example to other cities or states that want to start a home testing program. Well, that wraps up another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you would like to read more about any of the stories that we've discussed, as I said, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find this week's Roundup and all of our past Roundups posted. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and I hope that you will tune in next week for another edition. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.